the way that sex lives of college, the sex lives of college girls. That is such a mouthful to say. It's such um, a weird title. Like, I don't like yeah. telling people that I just watched the first season of the sex lives of college girls. <laughs> Hi everyone, welcome back. My name is Nia and welcome back to Not As Young Adults, a podcast where I, an emotionally stunted 22-year-old, talk to my guests about the enduring appeal of YA books, movies, and TV shows for all ages. This week we've got a repeat guest, my friend Ani. Ani, would you like to introduce yourself again? Hello, thanks for having me back. I know I was semi-incoherent last time, so I'm glad... um... I was allowed back. Ani, the last time you were on, we talked at length about a show that I like, and I got you to watch um, Nancy Drew on The CW, and at that point, it was right before the third season premiered, and as we record, uh, there's only a few episodes left of Nancy Drew before this season ends, so... I mean, like, we've talked about, like, doing a Nancy Drew recap podcast for a while, like, kind of, like, as a joke, but also, like, cap seriously. But because scheduling is hard, we get this instead. True. So, Ani, like, what are your thoughts on the season so far? Oh, God. What are my thoughts for this? This has been an interesting season, but not necessarily interesting good. There's a lot that has happened and a lot of choices that have been made. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely, in the most recent episode, episode 11, which is one that came out last week, we just found out that everything everything this season so far has taken place in two weeks. And I feel like that um, kind of says everything you need to know about this season is that it all happened in two weeks. Nancy it, Drew timeline is fucking wild, by the way. Yeah, it just feels so... There's so much happening and also nothing happening at all. And I also think it's very interesting the fact that they decided this season to kind of depart from the horror aspect and kind of go more into the supernatural aspect, which like in the beginning of the season, it was interesting when you had like the frozen hearts killer um, and it was still it was supernatural, but it was still horror um, because he's like he's a serial killer and all of that stuff. But then. I feel like now it's kind of turned into supernatural light. I don't know. I've actually never seen supernatural, but it just is like, um, there's a lot of witchcraft going on. (laughs) Bess became a witch, but she's Googling all of her recipes, (laughs) rituals, not recipes. And then they work. And I'm like, how? I, I support lesbian witches, but you know. Yeah. It's like, Sure more lesbian witches in media but also then when then there was that whole episode where everyone was like where Bess was really upset because no one was taking her seriously and then you find out that it's all been two weeks and I'm like yeah I also probably wouldn't take my friends seriously if they were like three days into their new hobby and were like I am actually going to replace a super powerful group of witches and no one is respecting me right now and that's very upsetting and it's like okay well you're like three days into this can we wait till you maybe cast your second ritual spell? Like something, anything? I don't know. The the best is witch thing has been very interesting. I'm very glad they did not pair her with Temperance because it did look oh, like for a God. minute there, Bess and Temperance were going to get together. And I was like, please, 
no more old white ladies. <laughs> no more old white lesbians. The fact that like Nancy Drew, like overall the show has taken place over like about a few months. And also like the fact that like Bess's most recent, I think current love interest, like she met like a week ago is, is kind of like throwing me for a loop. So like, like it's very cute. I think it's nice, but like I'm hesitant, I'm hesitant to like ship anything yeah, and I really like Addie. I think Addie is the first love interest that they've given Bess that has um, been interesting. Because, yeah, yeah. Or second, because I did like Odette as a love interest, but not really as like someone who was going to be like a permanent love interest. It was just like, oh, this is actually kind of interesting, the fact that it's a ghost and it's like kind of working. But Addie is like, Addie was better than the FBI cop lady. I forget her name. Um Elizabeth. Lisbeth, yes. She was okay. Um, they had a lot of stuff going on all the time. And it was just like, okay, I get it. She doesn't want to be dirty. You don't want to lose your relationship with your family. That was also, this is not related to season three, but I also thought that was so interesting how they did that whole storyline where she becomes a Marvin and then they just dropped it. Bess is no longer a Marvin. She's completely completely removed from all riches and his like i'm just like dang that was such a quick up and then down (laughs) and like the thing is like she is going into this witchcraft thing because like her ancestor martha marvin like was like a big witch in the town in its history and i'm like okay this is how you get in touch with your roots not talking to any of the other family members that are around but becoming a witch yeah. I, know, I like Bess. I like that she's getting a normal love interest for once. And I'm cautiously optimistic for how it goes. But the operating word here is cautious. Speaking of love interests this season, they have really been pushing the love interest angle this season between Bess getting her new love interest, Nancy being in a love triangle, um, and Nick and George getting engaged and then like breaking up. Yeah. Um, so they've they've been very relationship focused this season, but in a way that doesn't feel like it's doing service to any of the characters, because with the exception of Bess, because I think Addie has been an, an interesting addition to the cast and like to the friend group. I think Addie can add a lot if they were to spend more time and focus on her. But like yeah. Nick and George's whole thing, I think is just kind of okay. Because it seemed like they started giving them problems out of nowhere and it was very clear they wanted to break them up. But a lot of it just seemed like they were ha- like unable to communicate. There's a lot of miscommunication. And it just feels like they went from being like, oh, you know, we're having some communication issues to being like, well, you never loved me anyways. You just saw me as like a project that you could fix. And it was like, oh, wow, we've we've um we've escalated very quickly and even their breakup scene in the most recent episode felt very um unfinished i didn't realize it was a breakup scene until i checked twitter and like the nancy drew writer's account was like yep that was a breakup scene i was like where that was a fight couples fight you've been having nick and george fight every other episode this season yeah and it was like they were having this huge fight and then it just kind of 
like it wasn't even like a fight that felt like it was finished and i feel like that's how i feel a lot about nick and george this season is everything feels unfinished like none of their fights ever seem to reach a resolution and that's very clearly seen in the breakup scene where they have this whole fight and then it just ends with nick walking away like there is no understanding of like oh we're over or oh like this is a fight we're having it was just kind of like they were upset with each other they were yelling at each other and then they just walk away and it doesn't feel finished and i don't know if the writers are like i can't tell if the writers are planning on having them get back together so like if this is the way the writer's way of like ending nick and george it feels very um lackluster for everything they've been been through like between the engagement and george's curse and everything like it just felt like as the core couple of the show really because everyone else has kind of like gone through multiple love interests while they've been the one couple that's always been together it felt like such an incomplete kind of breakup i don't know maybe you disagree with me mia but that's how i felt I personally did really like Nick and George for a while. And then just like they kept getting these like fight storylines. And I was like, okay, maybe we're going through an arc where they're, you know, adjusting to each other, learning and growing, and maybe they'll come out stronger. I kind of like look at them with like, you know what? This is a teen-ish show on the CW. Of course, they're gonna get married after knowing each other for two months. You know what? You just have to accept shit at face value when you're watching Nancy Drew sometimes. And the thing is, like, Nancy Drew, I think that it's really good at, like, planting non-relationship stuff. Like, they, Nancy Drew, like, one of the reasons I enjoy it, because, like, they'll, like, have this, like, one extra in the background in season one. And then, like, in season two, they'll be like, no, that was completely important. Everything is connected. We planned this the entire time. And I don't know, like, they can do that with, like, their larger plots. But I don't know if they're as good at doing, as, like, thinking about the long run stuff in terms of the um romances because as you said like the nick and george romance it feels kind of unfinished right now and like a lot of nancy's romances not even not just in this past season but um other season they feel they all feel kind of rushed which i guess makes sense because um nancy drew is taking place over an extremely compressed timeline even though i love this show it's just hard to get invested in a lot of the romances sometimes because of these extenuating factors, even though I do love these characters and I think there is so much potential for like great romances and ships and things like that. When you talk about planting things from the very beginning, um, it feels like they have been trying to build up uh, Nancy and Ace for a while, at least a yeah. season. It had to have been like halfway through season two, they were started dropping all these hints that Nancy was really interested in Ace. And then it was like the will they, won't they? And a lot of that was written very well. And you could see them building up to it. And then this season, it seems like it's kind of plateaued and it's just become like any sort of chemistry they had has kind of just stalled. And I think that's because they introduced... Um, a second love interest to try and make it seem like oh well you know because Nancy and Ace are probably going to end up together um, at least for a little while I don't think she's going to stay with Agent Park Um, but 
I think they were introducing this love interest to try and like be like, oh, well, now it's like misconnections. And when they get together, actually, it's going to feel like more satisfying or whatever. But there's two problems with this plan. The first one is now all of Nancy and Ace's scenes between Ace in the beginning of the season still being with Amanda to now Nancy um, getting together with Park they feel very um, stilted and awkward and kind of like third grade-ish. Like it seems like they're afraid to talk to each other, which part of the appeal for Nancy and Ace being together is that they've always been really comfortable with each other and have always been able to kind of talk to each other. Um, And it just seems like this season, they've kind of just dropped that in favor of them being like awkward and like, I can't make eye contact with him. And it's like, okay, (laughs) Okay, but you should be able to talk because you're kind of solving mysteries together and communication is important in a relationship. Also, I just think that, like, I do not enjoy the Nancy and Agent Park relationship just because, like, I think Nancy is still supposed to be, like, 19-ish. So I'm like, okay, she's definitely legal, but I, but an adult FBI profiler who definitely has some years under his going for this 19 year old girl the vibes are bad but it's just very weird because the actors they are of similar ages and they do have like a significant degree of chemistry and i'm looking at the screen and, and i'm oh, like i yes, hate this relationship that was my second but they, point <laughs> they do I, have a shit ton of chemistry so and it makes distracted. the nancy ace dynamic look inferior by comparison even though i yeah. don't want to see it a hundred percent like I agree with everything you said like it does it is one of those things where it's like you're not I don't like I don't really want to root for Park Agent Park and Nancy to get together because he is a lot older than her and there's and he's like not her boss but he is in a higher position than her within the police department so there's also kind of like a weird dynamic there where like it's just there's a lot of stuff going on in the background where it's like yeah I'm not really rooting for them because I just think that there's some weird dynamics yeah, but the actors are very good together on screen. Nancy yes. and uh, Parks actors—I don't remember their names. Yeah, Kennedy um, McMahon and John Harlan Kim—they're both very talented. Their scenes together are great, and I am usually watching the show somewhat upset because they have their scenes together, and I'm like, "Wow, that actually—I was kind of rooting for them a little bit," but then I'm like. But then I actually remember the context of them and I'm like, uh, I'm not really into it. But like, it's also, I think (laughs) writers did not plan for Nancy and Park to have so much better chemistry than Nancy and Ace at this point. And I think because the actors are really good together on screen, when you take that and then also Nancy and Ace's writing has kind of plateaued and become a little bit awkward. It just is like, yeah they just kind of like nancy and ace are just kind of boring at this point and it's sad because i was really rooting for them at one point or another and i just like i would love for the writers to kind of go back to what made people like them in the beginning which was the fact that they were like friends and like i think a large so much of nancy's love interest is usually like she's like smart and cool and sexy and she's like a genius and it's like in a way where they're like 
all of her love interests are kind of like mystified by her they find her like mysterious and alluring while like ace has always seen nancy as who she is like he sees nancy the person not nancy drew the investigator which is what i think kind of worked best for them and it's just like it's just kind of sad to watch the way that they have um kind of undone some of the the basis of what makes their relationship interesting i am always the first one to say i love a good slow burn friends to lovers mutual pining but like that being said i love it when the obstacles to them getting together like make sense in a way and like they still have like the strong foundation and like sometimes i feel like when you start trying to plant the like romance aspect you kind of lose the strong foundation a friendship that made you that makes someone start liking a relationship in the first place like i don't know how many like good friend scenes like nancy and her friends have all gotten these past um few episodes because i feel like everyone's like kind of separated in a way like you got nick and george and their storyline you got nancy with the frozen hearts killer and you got Bess learning to be a witch and like a lot of like you know they do intersect but there's always these like individual parts like what happened to the drew crew what happened to that little squad nancy and her gang i feel like season three kind of lacks focus a little bit because i think season one was very strong in the fact that what was leading season one was trying to solve lucy's murder and then season two what led that was kind of the monster of the week stuff and season three seems to be kind of led by the romance which is fine but a lot of the romances aren't super well written this season so everything just feels kind of thrown together and a little bit out of focus this season because it like the frozen hearts killer best becoming a witch all of that feels second to like kind of their love interests and like spending time on showing characters with their love interests in a way that I'm like uh this is just okay (laughs) also I feel like the frozen hearts killer plot line like sometimes like when I'm talking about oh you know when I'm like trying to remember like oh what happened last week on Nancy Drew I always forget about it because it feels less personal than like season one like season I think season two is like my favorite season but like season one I think had the strongest plot because everything felt like so like like they were solving Tiffany's murder and I obviously cared very much about that because like you know these kids were suspected in a murder and like Lucy Sable's haunting stuff it felt like very very much like connected to um Nancy and what the gang were doing and like even the Aglaica stuff like that had that had a more direct impact on each one of them than like the Frozen Hearts killer did so like every week I was tuning in being like yeah I want to know what's happening with these fucking ghosts and like with the Frozen Hearts killer like there is like some connection but it's feels more removed from like the main characters I'm like you know what maybe they just maybe they just don't solve the Frozen Hearts killer that doesn't have an effect on any of their lives yeah. i mean the glaker was gonna kill them what is the frozen hearts gonna ki- killer gonna do kill other people who cares i think if they really wanted i think a way that they could have strengthened this season was to have one of them be a descendant from a gettysburg soldier where it was like you were fighting a time like a clock a timeline in which you know that the frozen hearts killer 
is coming for one of them, especially because that's what they did with Lucy Sable. That's what they did with the Glaika is like all of and usually even with the monster of the week stuff it usually tied into one of the characters in some way or somehow and i agree with you it does feel kind of removed like the only real connection they have to the frozen hearts killer is that nancy is a hudson and it's um temperance's daughter who's also a hudson and it just feels like if they had had one of them be like descended from um one of the Gettysburg soldiers, it would have connected them to it in a way other than just being like, they're doing this because Temperance is Nancy's ancestor and they want to make sure like the town doesn't die. Cause that, that I think that would work better if the Drew crew were supposed to be like established heroes. Like Superman is always going to solve like, save the day because that's his job he takes care of all of uh metropolis but like nancy drew teen detective takes care of things she takes in care of things for the town but she also takes care of things like especially supernatural things when it starts to directly interfere with her life yeah. and it just feels like they're moving the problems outward when that's not really what the characters kind of um that's not really what the character and characters in the group kind of normally do. So it just, I don't know. It does feel a little bit impersonal. I think there is a fan theory though, that like one of the Gettysburg descendants is like ace or park. And for transparency's sake, um, we record this episode is probably going to come out like in a few weeks after we record. So maybe we'll be right. Maybe the theory will be, theory will be right maybe it'll be wrong but right now it just doesn't feel like there's any urgency and like nancy drew is really good at like creating urgency like when you have all the puzzle pieces to you know yeah. kind of like understand like you know what's going on but like when you don't there should still be a sense of urgency i should still want to be like hey what's going on with the frozen hearts killer what's going on with everyone yeah I think the only real sense of urgency they've started to bring was temperance threatening all the children and that was like, all right, I guess. But I'm like, dang, okay, I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like, I don't know. We don't have any established relationships between Nick and any of the kids. It's just kind of like the kids general. Yeah. Kids Instead general. Instead of like Nick or Ryan or Ace or any of them having like a personal kind of relationship with at least one of the kids. I don't think any of the kids have names even. They do have names. It's just like we don't we never follow up with any of the kids to remember that yeah. they have names. And so it's like it it was like, yeah, it provides a sense of urgency. But I also don't like I mean, I do care about kids and I do like I don't like child death or child murder in media in general. But it does like so like it was upsetting to hear. But I think that's more because of my personal likes beliefs and less because I was like, oh, no, the kids. I was like, oh, they're going to kill kids. I also just don't think that Temperance is, like, a fun villain. The thing is, like, I will like villains in terms of, like, oh, yeah, you bring an interesting energy to the show, and I don't like you morally, but I think you're a great character. I don't get any fun vibes from Temperance. She's not scary either, which is also, I think, part of the reason that it just, she just feels kind of lackluster, because, like, the Iglaica, scary. Um them like coughing up all the sand and pulling the stuff out of their mouth that was scary um 
the like haunted voices and stuff that the um ship survivor was hearing that was scary um lucy was scary she was jump scaring us every other second but like temperance isn't scary so she just feels she's just like kind of threatening so she feels lackluster in comparison to where like the other seasons i was like oh god i don't want lucy to be behind this corner or like are they gonna see odette in the mirror stuff like that where like i was like oh this is gonna be scary now it just is like oh there's some big threat to the town we gotta stop her and i'm like i want to be scared again make nancy drew scary again (laughs) make nancy drew scary again i just i think they're like trying to make like temperance to be this like master manipulator like pulling strings and and you know scheming and i'm like if she was a master manipulator she wouldn't just leave her diary pages out like that she wouldn't just tell her entire plan and be like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna kill kids she's a very tell not show villain (laughs) I mean, all that being said, do you have any hopes for, like, um, how it'll all end, how Nancy Drew gets past this little bump and moves on into the next season? I think Nancy Drew got renewed, or maybe I'm just making that up. I am hoping in season four, Nancy Drew kind of goes back to its roots of being scary and being horror based with like supernatural like supernatural horror versus being like supernatural with some horror nancy drew as a reboot is very strong because it kind of turns the source material on its head it does something very similar to riverdale where it's like dark and gloomy um version of like Uh, Archie Comics. It's a dark and gloomy version of the Nancy Drew teen detective books. And part of the appeal of that is like, it's scary. And it's Nancy being thrust into this world of supernatural, not fully understanding it. And I think now that they're a couple seasons in and they're starting to be like, well, Nancy's starting to understand some of this stuff more. They've kind of dropped some of the horror aspect. And I would love to see that come back. I think it would be um, much more interesting I think when the horror kind of drives everything, it leads to the side stories being more interesting. Because when you have, you know, 15 days left to live because the Iglika is going to kill, or seven days to live because the Iglika is going to kill you, like, you're more likely to tell someone that you're in love with them. You're more likely to spend time with your dad. And it, like, it makes the side stories feel more compelling because there is a sense of urgency. There is this, like, fear it's scary and i would love for them to return back to that i think if they keep going with the kind of like supernatural route where it's like witches and rituals and stuff it's not going to work the same way that the show used to and i think that the show will kind of hit a plateau where like it'll be fine but it won't be good in the same way that it used to be i hope in the next season if they're planning on getting nancy and ace together they do it. I'm kind of sick and tired of the back and forth at this point. It was a lot more interesting pre-park, pre all of this like inability to talk to each other. At this point, I'm like, they need to just have a conversation and either have Nancy make a decision, either have her decide that this isn't something she wants to pursue and we end that storyline or have them get together and have them have like an honest conversation and bring some of that chemistry back but I do think that Nancy and Ace will always be ruined a little bit for me because 
her and Park have a lot of chemistry, which is really upsetting because I don't like the fact that he's a lot older than her. I wish they just brought the actor in and like made him like, I don't know, just another guy in Horseshoe Bay and like made him a contender in that way. It's like, yeah. they have a lot of chemistry. Why did you have to make him a cop? Why is this Nancy's second cop attraction person? They should stop having cops fraternize with her. It's getting weird. Yeah, it is. And I know this isn't what they're going for because they're like, oh, well, this is like cool and fun and sexy. But it does just kind of feel like, oh, well, this is actually kind of creepy. Why are all of these cops interested in like a 19 year old girl? Like, what about this girl? Do they like because even though she's 19, which she's like an adult, she's still very young. She's not an adult in the way that you like someone who is solidly in their 20s, maybe even in their late 20s would see like someone in their late 20s isn't going to see a 19 year old and be like, that's an adult that I see on my level. Because it's not. This is someone who just finished getting out of high school. She doesn't know what she wants to do with her life. Like, sure, she's brilliant and she solves mysteries, but she's also still very young. And it's kind of weird to keep pushing her with guys that are so much older than her. Between uh, Detective... Tamora. Tamora, um, Owen, Marvin, who... I forgot about that guy. Yeah, also a lot older than her. Um, And now Park, it's like, these are always people who are so much older than her. And I feel like the Nancy Drew writers really wanted her to be like 22, 25. Yeah, I feel like they forget that they they made her like so young. And now they're like, shit, we can either just stick with it or not through these plot lines. And they just chose to... You know, dig their heels in. I mean, Nancy Drew would be so much better if everyone was just, like, established to be 25. The Nick George marriage would make more sense. Whatever yeah. Bess is up to would make more sense. Nancy's whole deal would make more sense. Why aren't they all 25? Everyone looks 25 anyways. And I also feel like it wouldn't change that much about the characters because Nancy yeah. can still be someone who's been lost. Like, losing your mom is a huge trauma. No one would be surprised if at 25, you know, it's been a couple of years since her mom died, but is still like not able to kind of cope with it because her mom died from a terminal illness. And like, even when you're prepared for someone with a terminal illness to die, it is still very, very hard to actually lose someone. And like, it just feels like they could have still written her as someone who is dealing with that trauma and struggling without having her be like 18 still like they could have killed they could still could have killed her at prom because that is dramatic and like she can still be lost after all this time you know like her her mom dies and she decides that like she doesn't want to leave her dad and she's just she's just been working in town for the last couple of years or you know she um her mom dies and she decides that she wants to like she can't stay in horseshoe bay and she's just been somewhere else doing nothing like there's still ways for this to have worked Um, or like she threw herself into college or something after her mom died she could have been 25 and very little would have changed yeah like there's this whole little arc about like her like reapplying to columbia and i'm like you know what that could have been grad school we don't care what her major is we just care that she wants to go to school and that could have easily been grad school 
Yeah. Nobody should go to grad school, by the way. It's a lie. Yeah, true. Guy who's applying for grad school, it is a lie. My roommate is applying to grad school, and every time she talks about it, I'm like, oh, God, are you okay? Yeah, it is traumatic. Moving on to, like, non-Nancy Drew things. I mean, Nancy Drew was not the only thing me and Ani have in common. Um, we actually met because we both watched Dimension 20, a D&D actual play show on Dropout, where each season features a different group of characters, many of whom are high schoolers, kind of. Um, so, like, <laughs> Ani, like, as someone who, like, is a role player and, you know, does, plays D&D herself, um, like, why do you think, like, there's, like, this, like, appeal of, like, you know, approaching like young adult characters through role play such as in D&D and Dimension 20. Well, I think a lot of it is because there is so much young adult media that like when you want to create a world that cuz Fantasy High, which is uh Dimension 20's young adult season. It's they're in high school, which is also their first season. And if you want immediately want to build a fan base, a lot of times you want to start with YA because even if you haven't lived all of the experience like high typical high school experiences you've consumed media that has talked about these experiences and like even if you've never experienced it everyone kind of knows the like high school like jock nerd tension the jock nerd tension the like um the like preppy mean girls in high school like everyone knows what that is even if you didn't necessarily experience that in high school so I think when you're trying to create a show that you want to build a fan base you want to kind of appeal to that because you're going to appeal to people who are in high school but you're also going to appeal to people who feel nostalgic for that kind of media um so I think it works that way and also they were pulling from uh John Hughes and like uh the breakfast breakfast club when they did fantasy high um which is also another form of like nostalgia and things that will get people um interested and I think that's kind of why like a lot of people go for uh YA adjacent media because it people understand it even if they haven't experienced it there is like so much YA media out there these days and like in your minds like how is it possible that like we keep getting these stories and like how how do you think it would be best to like keep these stories like fresh and engaging? Um, I think it's a it's a couple different things. I think a telling stories that play on those age old media tropes that people love, but in new ways. Where like, um, it's the popular girl, but for once, it's not like a skinny rich white girl. It's like you know, it's a person of color, or it's someone who is plus size, fat, like having diversity and kind of like changing some of those stereotypes, I think definitely freshens it up, but it has to be done correctly because you can't have that same trope, but with diverse characters in it and then completely remove any sort of real life experience that would affect that. Like if you're going to have the mean girl be like a black girl, I think there still needs to be some sort of like cultural context in, in there and like, because people are not going to react to, you know, the mean black girl the same way they are going to react to, like, the mean white girl who's, like, popular and everything. Like, those have different connotations. And I think when you tell stories and you change some of that stuff, but you keep cultural context in and what that means, um, those stories are more interesting. I also think when you take um, those kind of tropes and you put them in a new setting. So, like, 
it's a high school and it still has all of those like um high schooly tropes but they're super spies or it's in space like that keeps it interesting because it's like yeah they have all of this like they still have to pass algebra too but also they have it's like you have a math test at two but you have to be at your hit meeting at five like there's like (laughs) there's it's more interesting and it keeps the story fresh when you can also play with some of those tropes and i think a lot of what keeps media like that interesting is when you play those tropes or if you're going to keep those tropes the same and like you know your nerd is going to be the guy who like likes star wars your um popular character is going to be like the preppy cheerleader white girl and then you talk about what that actually is and like what that means um and like how the like jock guy can be like this like broy beefy white guy who plays football and like what the like what those people can actually be sometimes especially in this sort of media where like they can be bad people and like how being in those positions where like you're in high school and everyone is hyping you up is like you're the man you're the guy because you're the star quarterback you're the reason that your football team is doing so well and like how that goes to someone's head and how that makes that can make them a bad person and like actually talk about that in media not make it like a two-dimensional sort of character I think that can also be very interesting um so I think a lot of it is just like you have to play with the media. You can't just keep YA in these like two dimensional tropes because then it's, it's not interesting. It's not new. And part of what makes tropes good is when you either really lean into it and it is thought out and well-developed or you take that trope and you spin it on your head and it's still the trope, but it's in a completely different context. Like, you know, everyone's seen, like, Nancy Drew Girl Detective, but um, we're making supernatural horror Nancy Drew Girl Detective now. It's like how, you know, Dimension 20 was like, you know what, Breakfast Club, but they all have swords. And, yeah. I think that there is a lot of interesting ways to play with YA media. And you kind of see it a little bit in um, The Sex Lives of College Girls. I don't think it's well done, but you can see the attempt there in the fact that, like, it is a lot of those, like, um, high school tropes, but they've now put it in a college setting so they can play a little bit more with it. Yeah, you know, like, there's a lot of talk about, like, oh, yeah, a bunch of these high school shows would make more sense in, like, a college setting. Like, people say that about, like, Euphoria and stuff. But, like... In terms of, like, the sex lives of college girls, do the tropes end up working better in a college setting? I think it is about the strength of the writer. I think generally having it put in a college setting did help some of the stuff a lot because the sex lives, sex lives of college girls is very similar to a lot of teen media where it's like they're awkward they don't really know what they're doing especially because they start out as college freshmen so like mm-hmm. freshly 18 still young don't really know what they're doing all of that kind of stuff um is very reminiscent of when you do a YA coming of age story beginning in high school but because they are older you can talk about topics in a way that doesn't feel as weird because you're not talking about children you can show more stuff and try and do something with it in a way that doesn't come off as skeevy however I do think that if you have someone 
who is kind of out of touch with the demographic of the writing (laughs) and also isn't that good at it um I think that it does not always necessarily work like um they wanted to do Kimberly who's the main character as like the naive girl from you know the midwest who doesn't know anything and she's coming to this big city um and it's or not big city this big college town and it's a liberal arts college in vermont it's not even that big yeah but like everyone is rich and she's not and so it's about her being a fish out of water but then kimberly is racist um and it's just kind of like it's brought up the first episode and then it's just kind of dropped and it's done in a way where it's like yeah okay that is interesting. You do have a girl who's like fish out of water um, and she's like um, in this new place. She doesn't know what she's doing and there are going to be mess ups here. So like Kimberly being like microaggressing her coworkers and her roommates, it makes sense. But then there is no moment where anyone says anything to her. It's just kind of like Kimberly wins people over and then it's just like kind of dropped. And then Kimberly doesn't really microaggress anyone again for the rest of the season. And like that's where the trope kind of falls flat um, because they weren't willing to commit to the kind of changes that they made on that trope and exploring um, that. They just kind of wanted to make a mention of it and not do anything else with it, which I thought was really disappointing and actually really soured my like for Kimberly overall because I just like Kimberly would be on screen and I'm just thinking about how she's probably thinking a bunch of things in her head about the people of color that she works with and lives with and like because it is never actually resolved and then everything just becomes about how Kimberly is poor instead of like focusing on yeah, Kimberly's poor but so are these other kids that she works with. Overall, I think that kind of placing it in a college setting does not take away from the actual um act of keeping those high school tropes the sex lives of college girls like at the end of the day like you know it despite being a college setting like with like adults quote-unquote adults it it is like categorized as a teen comedy and it sees itself as a teen comedy and that gives way to like of often like very surface level exploration of like issues such as Kimberly's microaggressing her coworkers that perhaps are not best explored the way that like the sex life of college girls like kind of does humor and like does like plotting. Like I was also really annoyed at how they approached um, Bella's plotline with like the white comedy club, mm-hmm. which is like I understood where it was going for like Mindy Kaling's a writer I understand that you know what that is reflective of her experience but on the other hand like that's kind of resolved in a weird way where in like the season finale where like Bella is kind of like dismissed by this one guy um the entire season and in the season finale he's like he just does this little face heel turn and he's like nope I'm not a racist I'm not a sex anymore the woman of color in my comedy club was right the whole time and and it feels like they're setting up this little romance and i'm like where did yeah. this come from he has been microaggressing her here and being a total dickbag the entire season like if you wanted to do a storyline about 
you know, misogyny and the way misogyny and racism intersect in a lot of these fields that are dominated by white men. That would have been really interesting. But because at the end of the day, they wanted to be a comedy show, it is um, kind of surface level the way that these things have effect on people. Like they just kind of wrap everything up neatly in a bow because they want things to still be comedic and light. And I'm like, that doesn't work if you're trying to tackle serious topics. Like, and especially with um, the comedy uh, editor, I forget his name. because His name is Eric. Was, yeah, Eric. He sucks, so I did not remember his name. It's like, Eric, the whole season is just mean to her and he microaggresses her and he is very, very, very obviously misogynist. And it's like to then do that kind of pivot because you want the show to still be light and funny to where now it seems like he's her love interest. It's like, that's not how that would really work in real life. Like you're not going to turn around and be like, yeah, the guy who's been microaggressing me for the last three months um, and telling me that like, he doesn't know if I'll be funny because I'm a woman. Um, it's not going to be my boyfriend. Like, it's just so interesting. You can see very clearly how it is constrained by its genre. I think it could have been a good show. I think it did have a lot of, um, I think the characters are really interesting. But watching it, I was never sure of like, okay, are they going to address this problem? Or are they just going to make a joke out of it? Or just sweep it under the rug? And yeah, I hope season two will um, be clearer on what the show wants to be because I feel like so far it was just it was it had that very teen comedy of struggle of like oh do we want to be relevant and cover these topics or do we want to be feel good and lighthearted and I feel like you know it's with a good writer you can have both with good writing you can mm-hmm. have both but I don't think they are I don't think having both was should have been their goal at least right now yeah we're coming up upon an hour of talking and it's been great chatting with you ani but now it's time to wind down save our voices and get to the fun part of the podcast fun for me probably not fun for anyone else um the lightning round the lightning round is where i ask my guest a series of quick questions to see if they have any fun opinions ani are you ready Mm mm-hmm Okay, number one, um, Nancy with Agent Park or Nancy with Ace in Nancy Drew? Nancy by herself for a little bit. I would love to see Nancy be a strong, independent woman uh, for more than half a season without being head over heels for a guy. But if I had to choose, I'm picking Nancy with Ace because he's at least age appropriate. Theoretically. You know what? One of these days they're going to be like, nope, he's 45. That is very possible. Nancy Drew does love to give us ambiguously aged men. Number two, Bess with Odette or Bess and Addie in Nancy Drew? Uh, You know I love Bess Odette because they're so awful, Um, but in a fun way. But I think for a long-term partner, I would have to go Bess and Addie because I think Addie grounds Bess's character in a way that Odette does not. (laughs) Also, their ship name is cuter. You can call them Batty, so. (laughs) Um, Number three, um, high school YA or college YA? Uh, I'm going to go college YA. I think it is something 
that is interesting because you do get to play with what it means to be an adult but not really an adult because you're freshly an adult and also in like university college YA um, you get to play with things like sororities and clubs and um, like they're not really called secret societies, but I'm blanking on if it's a mystery show, it could be a secret society. So, you know, like I feel like college, you have a little bit more room to play and you also don't have to worry about like, where are these children's parents? Because they're adults at college. Um, so yeah. their parents are at home. <laughs> also, I feel like it, it's a lot more lax to skip class in college. Okay, um, next question from dimension 20, the bad kids or the seven maidens that is hard because the bad kids are my little meow meows but i am a woman supporter yeah unfortunately i'm gonna have to give i sorry women but i'm gonna have to give it to the bad kids i love them ani hates women not clickbait sorry women Uh, sorry women i'm sorry women um, final question. If you were in Percy Jackson, who would your godly parent be? Oh, God. Um, I think we've talked about this before, but as a child, I really, really, really wanted it to be Poseidon. Not because, like, he's part of the big three or because it was, like, Percy, but I just love water. I love the beach. I love to be in pools. I'm a water baby. I'm a water sign. I have f- four different cancer placements in my chart. Uh, and You're wearing Pisces. a blue sweater with otters on it right now. You're, I am wearing a blue sweater with otters on it. You're literally a lake. I love water. So I always really, really wanted um, Poseidon to be my godly parent. Um, but all of the Percy Jackson quizzes used to tell me it should be Aphrodite. And I think that's because I'm very femme. Um, but I if I got to choose. <laughs> Thanks, Nia. Um, if I got to choose, it would be Poseidon. Well, that's all of my questions for today. Um, Ani, do you have any last words for the audience? Any social media you'd like to promote? Thanks for having me. Hopefully I was more coherent this time. Um, If you want to, you can follow me on Twitter um, at LoveCoreGF. And I am still working on my podcast. I just recently graduated college, so I've been busy. But that'll probably be coming around at some point. but yeah, stay tuned. Look at my Twitter um, and you'll probably see updates on there first. Yes, stream on this podcast me. when it comes out. <laughs> True. That's all for today. Um, as a reminder, episodes drop every other Thursday. Please give this podcast a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you're into that sort of thing. Until next time, I'm Nia reminding you not to date the white guy in your college comedy clubs because, well, I shouldn't have to explain why.